Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Writer Die Show. I am your host, Randy Lee Boswell. On today's episode, I am speaking with Rachel Tamayo. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, happy so, to be here. Yes. So just start with telling us a little bit about who you are. Well, my name is Rachel Smayo. I live in Texas. Uh, married for 17 years, have two kids. I'm a former 911 operator. I am an author of eight books. My ninth should be coming out next spring. Nice. Um, so 911 operator, that couldn't possibly be a very easy job. No, no. I mean, it's got its days where there's really nothing happening. And I, I didn't work in a big city like Houston or New York or Los Angeles, but I work in a suburb of, I work in a smaller uh, city outside of Houston. Um, but it definitely um, took its toll, I have to say, most definitely. I, I did it for 12 years. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty long time. Yeah, the turnover rate is pretty crazy. It's most, I think the average is like two years it used to be. I, I, I'm not 100% on that number, but it's pretty low. They don't stay for a real long time and they end up leaving and going and doing something else. Like I did, I did it for 12 and then I had to leave and go do yeah. something else. I could imagine because the call that you get, I mean, people don't call 911 because they want to say, hey, what's going on? Everything's great. They're calling because there's an issue. Yeah, exactly. People, I used to train people that were wanting to be dispatchers and 911 operators. And I would tell them, people don't call. They call because they're they're having the worst day of their life usually. Most, most of the time, it's going to be horrible on the other end of the line. And you just, you can't, you can only prepare so much, you know, um, it, it does affect you. Uh, you just learn to swallow your feelings, basically. You, you have this ability to turn them off and you'll feel it later. You know, that what causes the PTSD. That, yeah. That's exactly what causes the PTSD is that ability to soldiers do it. And that's why they get it too. Um, they swallow those feelings, they turn them off. And they're like, oh, I'll feel it later. I'll feel it later. And 20 years has gone by before it comes out and it causes the PTSD. Yeah. So is that something that you struggle with? It's one of the reasons I left. Yes. I, the, the last call, well, the last bad call I took, what was involved in was the Santa Fe school shooting. I was involved with that call because I was working that day and I got a phone call from uh, Dickinson Police Department because they're right there with Santa Fe. And they said, we have an active shooter in Santa Fe High School and we need your SWAT team. At the time, a combined team SWAT response, which was like four different cities when our SWAT page went out, we would, it, it was a SWAT team combined of four different cities and that team would go out. Um, so 
I paged out and our our SWAT team. But when she said that, I was like, honestly, I had a hard time processing it. I, I was like, because I'd been to active shooter training. Oh, okay. I went to training in a school. You know, response and with the SWAT team and everything, and and I still couldn't believe it. And I was like, right now. He's in there right now, and she's like, "Yes, he's in there right now, active. He's still in there." And I was like, "Okay." And and I paged on our SWAT team, and they went and uh, they came back. Our SWAT team helped take that guy down, and yeah. they came back, and it was they were all mm-hmm. upset until it was the most horrible thing they'd seen. And yeah. that day, I cried all the way home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son was four or five I think it was five because he was about to start kindergarten and um I was terrified for him to go to school yeah as the months went by I realized I had to get out of yeah I was like I've got to get out of this because it's affecting me and it was affecting me too much and my kids are small so I was afraid that it would affect me too much and I was making me too afraid. And I realized that the fears I was having weren't normal fears. And I realized it was, it was the beginnings of PTSD because of the calls I'd had in that Santa Fe school shooting had just kind of brought it out. Yeah. And um, cause that wasn't the only call, bad call I've had. And yeah. um, it just kind of made me realize I was done. Yeah. So some time went by and I, you know, decided to, I looked around for a while before I got out of it, but um, yeah, that was the last bad call I took. It was the call that made me realize I was finished. That I couldn't do it anymore. It was a really yeah. hard decision to make too. It was a really hard choice to make because I was afraid I was making the wrong decision. Well, 12 years, I mean, that's a lot of time put into that job. Yeah, it like, was a hard choice to make. Yeah, but you have to make the choice based on what's best for you, best for your family. Right. And now looking back, I've had opportunities to get back into dispatching. It's been four years since I left, three years, something like that. And now I don't want to go back to it. Now I realize I'm glad I left. I I did the best for myself. Now I'm in a better place. I'm not, you know, I've gotten past it for the most part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some parts of it that are still kind of hard to talk about. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm better. So. Good, good. So what kind of steps have you taken to help yourself deal with that? Well, getting away from it was the first part. Yeah. And, and realizing that that self-awareness that, that a lot of people, because when, whenever I did put my two weeks notice in, I, I got called into the assistant chief's office. He called me into his office and he sat me down and he asked me why I was leaving. And I told him why, and he told me he completely understood that he wished that more of his officers had done the same thing. He said, not because I don't w- don't want them to be here, yeah. but because they don't yeah. have that self-awareness or they don't want to accept it, yeah. that they re- reached their limit and they pushed themselves start becoming complacent and numb and they don't care anymore. And it just changes everything. And he yeah. says, if they had stopped when they realized it, like you are, 
everything would have been completely different for them. Yeah. You're doing the best, the best thing you can for yourself. He's like, as much as I hate to lose a really good dispatcher, he's yeah. like, I don't want you to push yourself too far. Yeah, you have to do what's good for you. And because if you don't, you're not going to be a good spouse. You're not going to be a good parent. And eventually, you're not going to be a good worker anyway. No, no, you're going to completely lose that you really are yeah you're gonna lose yourself by just trying to muddle through the day yeah well, that's that's so good that you recognized it so that you were able to take that step back even if it was a hard decision I mean most of this stuff that we talk about on this show sounds easy like just saying mm -hmm. yeah I had to go find a new job it sounds easy right. but it's not easy so most of the things we say on here are sound, sound super easy to do. They never are because they're big life changing decisions and actions. Right. But that's what we have to do for mental health is change some part of our life. Exactly. And then finding another job was a completely different problem because I was, I was down with one dispatcher for 12 years. So yeah there's other forms of dispatch but then I was overqualified for all of them you know they're like well you're overqualified we think you'd be great but you're overqualified you know it took like a year you know to find something because of that I've always hated that excuse me I've always hated that you're overqualified part because if I'm applying to this job it's because I would like it and you were leaving a stressful job because you needed that separation from it. So finding something that maybe you were overqualified for, but was simpler mentally, that's great. But, oh, you're overqualified. Like, I just, oh, it bugs me because I've heard it before. I, I think it's code for, we don't want to pay you your work. That's exactly <laughs> what it is code for. That's what that is. It is. It's true. You're it's, great for this true. job, but. I don't want to pay you to do the job so you're overqualified. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is entirely what that means. Yes. <laughs> um, so what coping strategies have you learned or which ones do you use to help manage all of that? Stress relief. I every a writing if I can find time, when I find time, writing helps me. You must it, find it, time. You got eight books. Well, yeah, I, I have my, well, the last year I've been kind of, kind of a slow slump and I think the COVID and everything slowed me down, but um, it, it gets me out of my own head, you know, and it puts me in another world in somebody else's head and then their own problems. And, and I think that helps because I'm not worried about whatever I have going on. I'm creating problems for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, making that book. separation again from yourself, to right. putting that break in there. Sort of disassociating, yeah. <laughs> yes, but in a healthy um, way, because they're right. yeah. writing. You're still exactly. getting something out. And I, it, I weave all the stuff in there that, you know, I know, you know, because I know so much about how people react to trauma and the, all the different ways because 
I can't tell you how many different reactions to how many different problems I've heard, you know, Ooh. and that, you know, people, well, you're reacting wrong. You should be feeling this way or you should be feeling that way. No, you can't because, because, because in, in a traumatic, somebody's coping mechanism may be this and to you, it may look weird, but to them, that's just the way they cope, you know, yeah. and, and using that in my book to create a character that's realistic and layered and some that different people can relate to yeah and the ability to read people you know to to get to, to, to i could listen to something somebody says and hear the things that they're not saying to me oh, i learned okay. that when i was dispatching like they would tell me things over 911 because you only have a couple of minutes to get a story out of somebody. It's true. You know, and you learn as you become a more seasoned dispatcher, you, you start hearing the things that they're not telling you. And okay. you start getting, you know, that stuff. And um, especially with, you know, just the worst calls but you start picking that up and it's not really a thing you, you lose, you know? So you, you, you can become a human lie detector, you know? Um, you do, because you can tell when people are lying to you. And I don't know how you can just tell, you know, those people we never saw. You, we yeah. never saw them, we only heard their voice. Yeah. And you could tell when they were lying to us, you know? Yeah. It's just those little, little bitty things that, that I know because I did that, that I can put in there to make my characters more realistic. Hmm. That's that's good then that you can still use the skills from there for some creativity and coping strategies. Right. Yeah, like in my last book, Carnal Knowledge, and um, some of the reviews I read, it's about a, a woman who um, is assaulted over and over again, but she doesn't report it. And basically she's being targeted by a serial, what she thinks is a serial killer. And um, people were like, we, people, people commented because of how she reacted. And, um, and I wrote it that way on purpose because okay. of the experiences that I've had knowing that women don't feel comfortable reporting assault, sexual or Yeah, otherwise. because a lot of times we're re-victimized. Right, exactly. You know, and she was supposed to be on probation because she separated from her husband and in the story and she that night she she chose a bad coping mechanism and she went and got drunk and got busted for drunk driving when she'd never done anything wrong in her life. You know, it was just a bad night for her and a bad choice. Mm -hmm. She she got busted for drunk driving, so she shouldn't have been out drinking in the first place. And so she was out with a friend, somebody dropped something in her drink. So she's like, oh, I shouldn't have been out in the first place. So, you know, it was my fault because I shouldn't have been out, you know, shouldn't have been drinking anyway, you know, yeah. and, you know, just, just all these different thoughts that she has and um, women just, they blame themselves because everybody else blames themselves. So they're, she's, she's not going to say anything yeah. and she doesn't, until she's, you know, yeah. so yeah, that's that's really realistic. Like that's, and I mean, obviously you're drawing from real life experience right. and knowledge, which is great, but so many people get hurt, get assaulted, 
And they just, yeah, like you said, they blame themselves. It must have been me. I did something. But nobody mm-hmm. deserves to be assaulted ever, period. Exactly, of course. I mean, yeah. And I read a review of the book that said the book needed to be read by everybody because of the way that it was approached you know her reaction and how it was carried out through the book but yeah she is eventually does she's sort of forced to report it because when she does she gets in an accident has to go to the hospital and the hospital reports suspicious markings on her to the police yeah and she's forced to report what actually happened good but yeah Oh yeah, of course. You know, once you finally it finally gets out, the police, you know, yeah. they investigate it. You yeah. know, but I mean, uh, but yeah, there were people like, well, she should have reported it. Well, of course she should have reported it. But, but she didn't because I mean, really, wouldn't <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hmm. All right. So. As you're going through all of this stuff and making the decision to leave this job that you've had for 12 years, did you experience any stigma around that in recognizing your mental health? Mine? No, I don't think anybody really thought about my mental health. Okay. I I think it was more of a every time I told people what I did it honestly it it got a little old after a while like man you must have some crazy stories to tell you know I'm sure I do you know but nobody ever thought of ever how it would affect me hearing all that stuff you know because some of that stuff you can't talk about you can't bring it home you know how was your day but you don't really want to know yeah do you really want to know that i want to know that i had to dispatch the SWAT team to a high school shooting no you don't want to know that i mean that i had calls the phone a 911 call it going in my head for two weeks you know i couldn't sleep you know um that that it does that they don't think about the dispatcher the way it, the dispatcher is a forgotten person. It's like the yeah. thing about the police officer, yeah. the thing about the fireman, the thing about the medics. The dispatcher is behind the scenes or behind the phone. And once the police get there, they're completely forgotten. And it's okay because they they don't do the job because they want to be remembered. They yeah. do the job because they want to help. If they wanted to be remembered, they would be doing something else. Um, yeah. It's just... Yeah, it, nobody cared really, or it's not, I don't know that they cared. It just never, it never occurred to them that yeah. we had mental health problems. I think that's a really great point because we do forget about the behind the scenes people, but you are the first people to talk to somebody. Like if somebody calls, it's just an example. Maybe you've had one of these calls. I don't know. But mm-hmm. if somebody calls and they're talking about wanting to end their own life, you are the person that has to be with them and talk to them through it until somebody else gets there. That's yeah. not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. What happens if 
you're unsuccessful in doing what you're trying to do and keeping them safe until somebody else is there. I I couldn't do that. Right. So yeah, yeah most people can do it. It's like a two percent, you know, population. And I made a couple of TikTok videos about it, and um, that blew up. Uh, yeah, me too. And that <laughs> blew up, and a lot of people asking me how do I become a dispatcher and that I, I, I sent out, I told him, send me an email to my author email through my website mm-hmm. and I'll send you some information. So I created a form letter with all the information oh, neat. and I included the personality, a very specific personality to do this job. And I'm going to tell you right now, you'll get all the way to the very end of training and you could still fail. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't mean it doesn't count anything against you it's just a very few people can make it you yeah. know it's just you know really there mm-hmm. if you want to help people and you don't make it there's plenty of other places you can help people yeah and but so I used to be an employment counselor and just doing that job there was some tragic stories that came into my office, but not even close to the degree that you would have experienced. And even then that little bit of traumatic stories kind of, kind of pulled at me. And I was like, Ooh, I gotta, gotta leave this here, but it's not an easy thing to do. And actually one of my coworkers back, back then, uh, I've been out of it for four years. Yeah. Let's go with that. So one of my coworkers back then, she actually left um employment counseling and became a dispatcher mm-hmm. and she does she did have one of those personalities that could really separate from those really hard stories to to going home after and I guess she's still doing it I don't know we, we weren't mm-hmm. that close but I think it was right. mm-hmm. it was a great decision for her but like you're talking about with this personality thing she mm-hmm. had the right personality not everybody does like you said yeah you really do have to be able to do that and you can only do that to a certain degree even those people because you are going to get a call you are going to get one and eventually you will it bothers you that will always bother you you know and um and I never felt like I did anything I never had one that was like if I had done it different maybe it would have gone a different way I've never had one like that okay it was just um, I, I never turned it around on the, on myself that way. It was but, more just a, uh, that was horrible. You know, that was just more than I should have ever had to hear. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause dispatcher have to hear things that nobody should ever have to hear. True. Um, and as you're talking now, it just popped into my head and so I figure I'll share because <laughs> that's what I do random thoughts and so we're by the time this episode airs it'll be a little while in between the recording to to when it airs and but I'll let everybody know so we are recording right now and um as anybody who follows the channel they know that my brother has just passed away three weeks ago I'm so sorry and I thank you and thinking about now the dispatcher who had to get that call saying 
whatever it said, I wasn't the one that called, but talking about how this person is maybe dead and we need somebody mm-hmm. or whatever, that couldn't have been easy. And I never, I didn't think about that. So you're really kind of changing my, my mindset. And now I'm like, oh, I wonder how they felt afterwards. I hope they were okay. I hope that they were able to, to unwind about this, mm-hmm. this young man that is no longer with us. I hope they're able to unwind and go home and feel good. Well, it's like you have this horrible thing happening to you or whoever that calls. The last thing you need to worry about is how the dispatcher is feeling on the other end of the phone. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They're not ever going to be, they understand that they're not, the police even are probably more for as forgot just as forgotten they're going to be a blur they're not going to remember that face you know odds are um uh it's okay that you that they're there to help in whatever way they help and as long as they helped that's okay they don't need to be remembered that's why they do it yeah yeah it's just we get our own help you know what i mean it's yeah, I just had they never, I had never taken the time to think about it. So now that I'm talking to somebody who was a dispatcher, I'm kind of stopping and thinking, because I mean, I've had to call 911 plenty of times and on my child for meltdowns. Just, so mm-hmm. my youngest has autism. A lot of people on the show, if you follow the show, you kind of know the story. Um, and it got to the point that violent meltdowns or suicide attempts, they mm-hmm. required a phone call. They required... Uh, sometimes police to help us de-escalate and sometimes paramedic to take to the hospital to to get to the children's ward because we couldn't safely get him there ourselves and I know that when every basically every single time I'm talking to the dispatcher I'm crying and their level of calmness is amazing like wow and I never really stopped to think after they after I hang up and they get off the phone with me I wonder if they're gonna need to go that poor mom right like maybe because I'm crying most times most times when you hear somebody cry you see somebody cry usually those emotions kind of transfer a little bit same with a smile a smile can make other people smile Mm -hmm. your tears act the same way so I just just kind of food for thought I've never thought about it before and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it now there's there is a lot of disassociation there um and and, and the calmness too funny you should say that because i've had um one calls played on tv and and um one of my one calls uh was made into a it wasn't investigation discovery it was, it was another channel but it was made into one of those tv mysteries um, oh. like on investigation discovery oh. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't Famous. even know about it. Uh, not me, but <laughs> call. <laughs> it was funny because I didn't even know until this trainee that we had come in. She's like, oh, hey, I heard that call. They made a whole show about it. She, and then she looks it up and she plays the call back to me on the TV show. She looked it up while she was sitting in this fact. Um, it was about, a, it was about a, um, a, a teenage girl that had been murdered by her boyfriend. Oh. And um, as I took the call. And, um, and she goes, you're so, you're so calm. You're almost deadpan, you know? And I'm like, 
well, you're supposed to be. I mean, yeah. you yeah. It, it's you have to be because mom's hysterical. And if I'm hysterical, how's that going to help? <laughs> oh, it's you true. Know? But again, um, it's true. we don't think about it. It's not because we don't care. If we cared, didn't care, we wouldn't be here. The calm is a tactic. It, it, it's a tactic to calm the person on the other end of the phone to keep them at some level, you know, or they're, you know, manageable. Um, but yeah, it's like if I started freaking out with her, then we're both just a mess. I mean, we have to stay deadpan. You can't, you know, there are, are dispatchers that do get emotional on the phone. Yeah. I've heard them. Yeah. But yeah, that's, they used to tease me about it. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. You're you're famous. <laughs> People will never know it's yes, you, but you know my voice. But <laughs> exactly, it's all good. Oh. Um. So, what would you tell somebody who's listening right now, and they're maybe starting to experience the starting signs of PTSD? Well, the reason you're experiencing the the PTSD is because there's feelings that there feelings in there that you don't want to experience odds are I, I would say find a way to get those feelings out talk about them to somebody find a way to release it the stress get away from the situation like I did I stopped it and then got away and then spent some years just working it out but uh, I think finding somebody to talk to in some way or another will help. Yeah. Don't let it get too far. Don't let it get too far. If you can recognize it early and stop it as soon as you notice it and get away from the situation if possible. Because I know if you're in the military or somewhere, there's nothing you can do about that because you're in the military. But but you can do take measures to to help your mental health by talking to somebody about it, um, so it's not as bad as it would be. Yes, that is great advice for somebody. Um, so now let's let's talk about what you've written and where people can uh, get a hold of it. Okay, I have written several books. I started out writing romance. I have all my titles. All my uh, everything um, available pretty much everywhere. You can see everything on my website, racheltomayowrites.com. Um, the Deadly Sin series, Break My Bones and Carnal Knowledge, are out now. Um, it's basically a thriller, psychological thriller series. Um, oh, that's my jam. I love it. This Carnal Knowledge has the absolute shocker of an ending, so twisted. It was so such a good ending Those and are nobody favorite nobody has guessed the ending of that book nobody has guessed it oh nobody. i need it <laughs> i need it now nobody's guessed the end of that book now i need I, it so i can my try third the third book you knew is i would really like for I, I want people to try and guess but so far nobody has they're like, I thought I knew, I really thought I knew who it was, but I really didn't know. <laughs> so what you're telling Third me, is, this is what I'm hearing. I mm-hmm. need to read it and assume 
who has already been guessed as the killer so that I know it's not them to pick the person that they wouldn't have picked. I really don't think anybody's going to get it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. You never know. <laughs> I challenge I challenge you all. Um, the third book in the Deadly Sin series is due out in February of next year. And it is very twisty. And seriously, you're not really going to know what's happening in that book until you're done with it. <laughs> <laughs> All you're doing is telling me more and more things I need to read. Yeah, that one is 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 due out in February of next year. Nice. So something to look forward to. Yeah. So in other words, read all your stuff right now because then yes. in February, then you're good to go. Exactly. I love that. Um, and then, so where can people follow you? Um, I am on TikTok. I'm not. I I, I do have some stuff. I'm. Honestly, I'm a bit of an introvert, so coming up with videos is, is not that easy, but. <laughs> okay, hold on. Do you have a pet? Do I have a pet? Yes. Mm -hmm. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All I follow on TikTok for the most part, or 95% of what I follow on TikTok, animals. If you have a cute animal, yeah. I am down. Mm -hmm. My animals have I their do own have... TikTok. I do have Facebook. I have Twitter, but I'm not really active on it. Um, but yeah, you can contact me through my website. You can, I do have you, I, you can email me through there. You can stay up to date. You can follow my newsletter, all that stuff. Awesome. And those links will be down in the description below. So you can give Rachel a follow and get a hold of those creepy, crazy, don't know what's going to happen books. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts or anything to share before we say goodbye no just uh while you're taking care of everybody else make sure you take a minute to take care of yourself because i am the worst absolutely the worst about doing that i love that maybe we need to turn that into a show a, sh a show a shirt take a minute <laughs> take a minute take care of yourself it, yeah, I'm the worst about doing it. I'll take care of everybody else while I'm exhausted and then be mad because I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, maybe you'll see that in the merch store one day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Rachel, so, so much for Thank joining you. us and sharing and giving us kind of something else to think about. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So she was a lot of fun. <laughs> so after we chatted a little bit, um, not long enough for, for the Patreon page, but we chatted a little bit because since she's in Texas and I'm recording right now at kind of the end of spring, beginning of summer here in Canada, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything over the summer in my basement. I just want to be outside. <laughs> and she goes, oh, it's blazing hot here. <laughs> so it's always funny getting to meet people from all over the place. I love it. So um, if you do want to be become a patron, head on over to the Patreon page. We do have some behind the scenes footage with some guests and we do, I do post some extra material that I write. As well, of course, we have our merch store. 10% of the proceeds go back to the Canadian Mental Health Association or the addiction services um, if you purchase from our special line. 
And remember, the only way to end the stigma of mental health is to speak openly and honestly.